t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com, check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shower curtains in there. Keep clean, look cool, have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Clary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under 80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everyone, welcome back to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. It's one of our reading episodes, and this episode we will be going through... Let's see, it's the... 
Rinkitink. Rinkitink. Oh, you know, our reader does it way better than I do. Rinkitink in Oz. So, yeah, this is, what, the 7th, 8th, 12th book in the Oz series? It's getting in there. We're getting in there, yeah. And I'm going to chop this up into 12 parts. So there's going to be two two chapters each 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 episode. So, hey, we've got that for the month of October. And maybe I'll throw in some ghost stories at the end of the month. Don't hold me to any of that because I'm not 100% sure how October is going to go. And if you are lucky enough at the very beginning of October, H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. And there is also going to be a second H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival that's going to be less in person and more of a streaming thing. Check us out on there. Dave's got some stuff going on on that. I'm going to have some stuff going on on that. And also, I'd like to welcome our newest sponsor, Taza Chocolate, Stone Ground Chocolate. And you know what? This is super minimally processed. If you're like me and you have a bunch of food allergies, you can't do dairy, they have dairy-free chocolates. They, they, they use dairy alternatives, uh, minimally processed, of course, organic. I love them. You love them. Taza Chocolates, they, they come in those discs that you can break up and put into hot beverages and stir up. Ooh, I love it so much. Anyway, Oz. So why not? I don't know, sit down with a nice warm beverage. We've got the tea that you can get. We've got the coffee you can get. I don't know, maybe microwave some psychedelic water, baby. All right, here's some Oz. Let's get weird. Chapter 7, The Twin Islands. The islands of Regos was 10 miles wide and 40 miles long, and it was ruled by a big and powerful king named Goss. Near to the shores were green and fertile fields, but farther back from the sea were rugged hills and mountains, so rocky that nothing would grow there. But in these mountains were mines of gold and silver, which the slaves of the king were forced to work, being confined in dark underground passages for that purpose. In the course of time, huge caverns had been hollowed out by the slaves, in which they lived and slept, never seeing the light of day. Cruel overseers with whips stood over these poor people, who had been captured in many countries by the raiding parties of King Kos, and the overseers were quite willing to lash the slaves with their whips if they faltered a moment in their work. Between the green shores and the mountains were forests of thick tangled trees, between which narrow paths had been cut to lead up to the caves of the mines. It was on the level green meadows, not far from the ocean, that the great city of Regos had been built, wherein was located the palace of the king. This city was inhabited by thousands of the fierce warriors of Goss, who frequently took to their boats and spread over the sea to the neighboring islands to conquer and pillage, as they had done at Pingaree. When they were not absent on one of these expeditions, the city of Rego swarmed with them, and so became a dangerous place for any peaceful person to live in, for the warriors were as lawless as their king. The island of Corregos lay close beside the island of Regos, so close indeed that one might have thrown a stone from one shore to another. But Corregos was only half the size of Regos, and instead of being mountainous, it was a rich and pleasant country, covered with fields of grain. 
the fields of Corregos furnished food for the warriors and citizens of both countries, while the mines of Regos made them all rich. Corregos was ruled by Queen Cor, who was wedded to King Gos, but so stern and cruel was the nature of this queen that the people could not decide which of their sovereigns they dreaded most. From Regos to Corregos stretched a bridge of boats, set close together with planks laid across their edges for people to walk upon. In this way it was easy to pass from one island to the other, and in times of danger the bridge could be quickly removed. The native inhabitants of Regos and Corregos consisted of the warriors, who did nothing but fight and ravage, and the trembling servants who waited on them. King Gos and Queen Cor were at war with all the rest of the world. Other islanders hated and feared them, for their slaves were badly treated, and absolutely no mercy was shown to the weak or ill. When the boats that had gone to Pingaree returned, loaded with rich plunder and a host of captives, there was much rejoicing in Regos and Corregos, and the king and queen gave a fine feast to the warriors who had accomplished so great a conquest. This feast was set for the warriors in the grounds of King Gos's palace, while with them in the great throne room all the captains and leaders of the fighting men were assembled with King Gos and Queen Cor, who had come from her island to attend the ceremony. When all the goods that had been stolen from the king of Pingaree were divided according to rank, the king and queen taking half, the captains a quarter, and the rest being divided amongst the warriors. The day following the great feast, King Gos sent King Kittycut and all the men of Pingaree to work in his mines under the mountains, having first chained them together so they could not escape. The gentle queen of Pingaree and all her women, together with the captured children, were given to Queen Cor, who set them to work in her grain fields. Then the rulers and warriors of these dreadful islands thought they had done forever with Pingaree, despoiled of all its wealth, its houses torn down, its boats captured, and all its people enslaved, what likelihood was there that they might ever again hear of the desolated island? So the people of Regos and Corregos were surprised and puzzled when one morning they observed approaching their shores from the direction of the south a black boat containing a boy, a fat man, and a goat. The warriors asked one another who these could be and where they had come from. No one ever came to those islands of their own accord, that was certain. Prince Inga guided his boat to the south end of the island of Regos, which was the landing-place nearest to the city, and when the warriors saw this action, they went down to the shore to meet him, being led by a big captain named Buzzub. "'These people surely mean us no good,' said Rinky-Tink uneasily to the boy. Without doubt they intend to capture us and make us their slaves. Do not fear, sir, answered Inga in a calm voice. Stay quietly in the boat with Bilbil until I have spoken with these men. He stopped the boat a dozen feet from the shore, and, standing up in his place, made a grave bow to the multitude confronting him. Said the big Captain Buzzub in a gruff voice, 
Well, little one, who may you be? And how dare you come uninvited and all alone to the island of Regos? I am Inga, Prince of Pingaree, returned the boy, and I have come here to free my parents and my people, whom you have wrongfully enslaved. When they heard this bold speech, a mighty laugh arose from the band of warriors, and when it had subsided, the captain said, <laughs> You love to jest, my baby prince, and the joke is fairly good. But why did you willingly thrust your head into the lion's mouth? When you were free, why did you not stay free? We did not know we had left a single person in Pingaree. But since you managed to escape us, then it is really kind of you to come here of your own free will, <laughs> to be our slave. Uh, who is the funny fat person with you? It is His Majesty King Rinkitink of the great city of Gilgad. He has accompanied me to see that you render full restitution for all you have stolen from Pingaree. <laughs> Better yet, laughed Buzzub. He will make a fine slave for Queen Kor, who loves to tickle fat men and see them jump. King Rinkitink was filled with horror when he heard this, but the prince answered as boldly as before, saying, We are not frightened by bluster, believe me, nor are we so weak as you imagine. We have magic powers so great and terrible that no host of warriors can possibly withstand us, and therefore I call upon you to surrender your city and your island to us before we crush you with our mighty powers. The boy spoke very gravely and earnestly, but his words only aroused another shout of laughter. So while the men of Regos were laughing, Inga drove the boat well up onto the sandy beach and leaped out. He also helped Rinkitink out, and when the goat had unaided sprung to the sands, the king got upon Bilbil's back, trembling a little internally, but striving to look as brave as possible. There was a bunch of coarse hair between the goat's ears, and this Inga clutched firmly in his left hand. The boy knew the pink pearl would protect not only himself, but all whom he touched from any harm. And as Rinkitink was astride the goat and Inga had his hand upon the animal, the three could not be injured by anything the warriors could do. But Captain Buzzub did not know this, and the little group of three seemed so weak and ridiculous that he believed their capture would be easy. So he turned to his men, and with a wave of his hand said, Seize the intruders! Instantly, Two or three of the warriors stepped forward to obey, but, to their amazement, they could not reach any of the three. Their hands were arrested as if by an invisible wall of iron. Without paying any attention to these attempts at capture, Inga advanced slowly, and the goat kept pace with him, and when Rinkitink saw that he was safe from harm, he gave one of his big, merry laughs and it startled the warriors and made them nervous. Captain Buzzub's eyes grew big with surprise, as the three steadily advanced and forced his men backward. Nor was he free from terror himself at the magic 
that protected these strange visitors. As for the warriors, they presently became terror-stricken and fled in a panic up the slope toward the city, and Buzzub was obliged to chase after them and shout threats of punishment before he could halt them and form them into a line of battle. All the men of Regos bore spears and bows and arrows, and some of the officers had swords and battle-axes, so Buzzub ordered them to stand their ground and shoot and slay the strangers as they approached. This they tried to do. Inga being in advance, the warriors sent a flight of sharp arrows straight at the boy's breast, while others cast their long spears at him. It seemed to Rinkitink that the little prince must surely perish as he stood facing this hail of murderous missiles, but the power of the pink pearl did not desert him, and when the arrows and spears had reached to within an inch of his body, they bounded back again and fell harmlessly at his feet. Nor were Rinkitink or Bilbil injured in the least, although they stood close beside Inga. Buzzub stood for a moment, looking upon the boy in silent wonder. Then, recovering himself, he shouted in a loud voice, "'Once again, all together, my men, no one shall defy our might and live.' Again a flight of arrows and spears sped toward the three, and since many more of the warriors of Regos had by this time joined their fellows, the air was for a moment darkened by the deadly shafts. But again all fell harmless before the power of the pink pearl, and Bilbil, who had been growing very angry at the attempts to injure him and his party, suddenly made a bolt forward, casting off Inga's hold, and butted into the line of warriors who were standing amazed at their failure to conquer. Taken by surprise at the goat's attack, a dozen big warriors tumbled in a heap, yelling with fear, and their comrades, not knowing what had happened, but imagining that their foes were attacking them, turned about and ran to the city as hard as they could go. Bilbil, still angry, had just time to catch the big captain as he turned to follow his men, and Buzzub first sprawled headlong upon the ground, then rolled over two or three times, and finally jumped up and ran yelling after his defeated warriors. This butting on the part of the goat was very hard upon King Rinkitink, who nearly fell off Bilbil's back at the shock of encounter. But the little fat king wound his arms around the goat's neck and shut his eyes and clung on with all his might. It was not until he heard Inga say triumphantly, We have won the fight without striking a blow, that Rinkitink dared open his eyes again. Then he saw the warriors rushing into the city of Regos and barring the heavy gates, and he was very much relieved at the sight. Without striking a blow, said Bilbil indignantly, that is not quite true, Prince Inga. You did not fight, I admit. But I struck a couple of times to good purpose, and I claim to have conquered the cowardly warriors unaided. You and I together, Bilbil, said Rinkitink mildly. But the next time you make a charge, please warn me in time, so that I may dismount and give you all the credit for the attack. There being no one now to oppose their advance, 
The three walked to the gates of the city, which had been closed against them. The gates were of iron and heavily barred, and upon the top of the high walls of the city a host of the warriors now appeared, armed with arrows and spears and other weapons. For Buzzub had gone straight to the palace of King Kos and reported his defeat, relating the powerful magic of the boy, the fat king, and the goat, and had asked what to do next. The big captain still trembled with fear, but King Gos did not believe in magic, and called Buzzub a coward and a weakling. At once the king took command of his men personally, and he ordered the walls manned with warriors, and instructed them to shoot to kill if any of the three strangers approached the gates. Of course, neither Rinkitink nor Bilbil knew how they had been protected from harm, and so at first they were inclined to resent the boy's command that the three must always keep together and touch one another at all times. But when Inga explained that his magic would not otherwise save them from injury, they agreed to obey, for they had now seen enough to convince them that the prince was really protected by some invisible power. As they came before the gates, another shower of arrows and spears descended upon them, and, as before, not a single missile touched their bodies. King Goss, who was upon the wall, was greatly amazed and somewhat worried, but he depended upon the strength of his gates and commanded his men to continue shooting until all their weapons were gone. Inga let them shoot as much as they wished, while he stood before the great gates and examined them carefully. "'Perhaps Bilbil can batter down the gates?' suggested Rinkitink. "'No,' replied the goat. "'My head is hard, but not harder than iron.' "'Then,' returned the king, "'let us stay outside, especially as we can't get in.' But Inga was not at all sure they could not get in. The gates opened inward, and three heavy bars were held in place by means of stout staples riveted to the sheets of steel. The boy had been told that the power of the blue pearl would enable him to accomplish any feat of strength, and he believed that this was true. The warriors, under the direction of King Goss, continued to hurl arrows and darts and spears and axes and huge stones upon the invaders, all without avail. The ground below was thickly covered with weapons, yet not one of the three before the gates had been injured in the slightest manner. When everything had been cast that was available, and not a single weapon of any sort remained at hand, the amazed warriors saw the boy put his shoulder against the gates, and burst asunder the huge staples that held the bars in place. A thousand of their men could not have accomplished this feat, yet the small, slight boy did it with seeming ease. The gates burst open, and Inga advanced into the city street and called upon King Goss to surrender. But Goss was now as badly frightened as were his warriors. He and his men were accustomed to war and pillage, and they had carried terror into many countries. But here was a small boy, a fat man, and a goat, 
who could not be injured by all his skill in warfare, his numerous army and thousands of death-dealing weapons. Moreover, they had not only defied King Gossa's entire army, but they had broken in the huge gates of the city, as easily as if they had been made of paper, and such an exhibition of enormous strength made the wicked king fear for his life. Like all bullies and marauders, Goss was a coward at heart, and now a panic seized him, and he turned and fled before the calm advance of Prince Inga of Pingaree. The warriors were like their master, and having thrown all their weapons over the wall, and being helpless to oppose the strangers, they all swarmed after Goss, who abandoned his city and crossed the bridge of boats to the island of Corrigos. There was a desperate struggle among these cowardly warriors to get over the bridge, and many were pushed into the water and obliged to swim, but finally every fighting man of Regos had gained the shore of Corrigos, and then they tore away the bridge of boats and drew them up on their own side, hoping the stretch of open water would prevent the magic invaders from following them. The humble citizens and serving people of Regos who had been terrified and abused by the rough warriors all their lives, were not only greatly astonished by this sudden conquest of their masters, but greatly delighted. As the king and his army fled to Corrigos, the people embraced one another and danced for very joy, and then they turned to see what the conquerors of Regos were like. End of chapter 7 Hi, I'm Rob Whiten from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash InsmouthBC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. This month's bandwidth is brought to you by Psychedelic Water. Legal psychedelics suspended in green tea and then put inside of a can for you. Psychedelic water. Who needs a Tillinghast resonator when you've got psychedelic water? Are you a curvy girl? Do you know a curvy girl? You love a curvy girl. Check out the show links for curvy girl. Plus size clothing for plus size women. Oh, Larry. Fine, fine student instruments, beginner's instruments. If you want to modify a guitar, check out Larry. 
If you want to get into guitars, if you love guitars, Clary. Things from another world. It's a store that has art. It has toys. It has comics, graphic novels. It is the place if you like that kind of stuff. Dave and I have talked about it in the show before. They were ever a sponsor. Dave likes to check out their stuff. I like to check out their stuff. They're pretty cool. Toys, art, graphic design, not graphic design, graphic novels for you. Thanks from another world. Check out the show notes. Uh, check out the links on, on our website, PGPTCM. We've got specific stuff there to let you know what they've got going on for specials. Anyway, thank you again so much. Did you know that there is a THC derivative that's legal called Delta 8? Not to be confused with the Delta variant, but Delta 8. Yeah. Uh, you can get it in chewable form, and it's sold at uh, what, what, what's what's Golden Goat CBD, one of our sponsors. Yeah, you can get some Delta Eight, and you can also pick up some CBD chewables gummies. They've got smokables for the Delta Eight, and they've got all kinds of stuff for CBD, and they can help you out. Uh, check the show notes, Golden Goat. And while you're in the show notes, hey, do you know about Donner? Donner has so many amazing musical instruments from all kinds, mandolins, banjos, they've got drums, they've got amplifiers, they've got guitars, they've got all kinds of stuff, and they ship worldwide. Check out Donner. I think you're going to like it, and I think Donner's going to have a good deal for you. So I, I love their electric guitars. A lot of the music that I perform for the show is either on one brand or it's on a Donner. So check out Donner. And check out some savings. All right. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the people's guide to the Cthulhu mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Chapter 8. Rinky-Tink Makes a Great Mistake. The fat king rode his goat through the streets of the conquered city, and the boy prince walked proudly beside him, while all the people bent their heads humbly to their new masters, whom they were prepared to serve in the same manner they had King Goss. Not a warrior remained in all Regos to oppose the triumphant three. The bridge of boats had been destroyed. Inga and his companions were free from danger, for a time at least. The jolly little king appreciated this fact, and rejoiced that he had escaped all injury during the battle. How it had all happened he could not tell, nor even guess, but he was content in being safe and free to take possession of the enemy's city. So, as they passed through the lines of respectful civilians on their way to the palace, the king tipped his crown back on his bald head, and folded his arms, and sang in his best voice the following lines. Oh, here comes the army of King Rinky-Tink, 
it isn't a big one perhaps you may think but it scattered the warriors quicker than wink rinky tink tinky tink tink our bilbil's a hero and so is his king our foemen have vanished like birds on the wing i guess that as fighters we're quite the real thing rinky tink tinky tink tink why don't you give a little credit to inga inquired the goat if i remember aright he did a little of the conquering himself so he did responded the king and that's the reason i'm sounding our own praise bilbil those who do the least often shout the loudest and so get the most glory inga did so much that there is danger of him becoming more important than we are and so we'd better say nothing about him when they reached the palace which was an immense building furnished throughout in regal splendor inga took formal possession and ordered the major-domo to show them the finest rooms the building contained there were many pleasant apartments but rinkitink proposed to inga that they share one of the largest bedrooms together for said he we are not sure that old goss will not return and try to recapture his city and you must remember that i have no magic to protect me in any danger were i alone i might be easily killed or captured while if you are by my side you can save me from injury the boy realized the wisdom of this plan and selected a fine big bedroom on the second floor of the palace in which he ordered two golden beds placed and prepared for king rinkitink and himself bilbil was given a suite of rooms on the other side of the palace where servants brought the goat fresh cut grass to eat and made him a soft bed to lie upon that evening the boy prince and the fat king dined in great state in the lofty domed dining hall of the palace where forty servants waited upon them the royal chef anxious to win the favor of the conquerors of regos prepared his finest and most savory dishes for them which rinkitink ate with much appetite and found so delicious that he ordered the royal chef brought into the banquet hall and presented him with a gilt button which the king cut from his own jacket you are welcome to it said he to the chef because i have eaten so much that i cannot use that lower button at all rinkitink was mightily pleased to live in a comfortable palace again and to dine at a well-spread table his joy grew every moment so that he came in time to be as merry and cheery as before pingaree was despoiled and although he had been much frightened during inga's defiance of the army of king goss he now began to turn the matter into a joke <laughs> why my boy said he you whipped the big black-hearted king exactly as if he'd been a schoolboy even though you used no warlike weapon at all upon him he was cowed through fear of your magic and that reminds me to demand from you an explanation how did you do it inga and where did the wonderful magic come from 
Perhaps it would have been wise for the prince to have explained about the magic pearls, but at that moment he was not inclined to do so. Instead, he replied, Be patient, your majesty. The secret is not my own, so please do not ask me to divulge it. Is it not enough for the present that the magic save you from death today? Do not think me ungrateful, answered the king earnestly. A million spears fell on me from the wall, and several stones as big as mountains, yet none of them hurt me. The stones were not as big as mountains, sire, said the prince with a smile. They were indeed no larger than your head. Are you sure about that? asked Rinkitink. Quite sure, your majesty. How deceptive those things are, sighed the king. This argument reminds me of the story of Tom Tick, which my father used to tell. I have never heard that story, Inga answered. Well, as he told it, it ran like this. When Tom walked out the sky to spy, a naughty gnat flew in his eye, but Tom knew not it was a gnat. He thought at first it was a cat, and then it felt so very big he thought it surely was a pig. Till, standing still to hear it grunt, he cried, oh, Why, it's an elephant! But when the gnat flew out again, and Tom was free from all his pain, he said, There flew into my eye a little teeny tiny fly. <laughs> Indeed, said Inga, laughing. The gnat was much like your stones that seemed as big as mountains. After their dinner they inspected the palace, which was filled with valuable goods stolen by King Goss from many nations. But the day's events had tired them, and they retired early to their big sleeping apartment. "'In the morning,' said the boy to Rinkitink, as they were undressing for bed, "'I shall begin the search for my father and mother and the people of Pingaree, and when they are found and rescued, we will all go home again and be as happy as we were before. They carefully bolted the door of their room, that no one might enter, and then got into their beds, where Rinkitink fell asleep in an instant. The boy lay awake for a while, thinking over the day's adventures, but presently he fell sound asleep also, and so weary was he that nothing disturbed his slumber until he awakened next morning with a ray of sunshine in his eyes, which had crept into the room through the open window by King Rinkitink's bed. Resolving to begin the search for his parents without any unnecessary delay, Inga at once got out of bed and began to dress himself, while Rinkitink, in the other bed, was still sleeping peacefully. But when the boy had put on both his stockings and began looking for his shoes, he could find but one of them. The left shoe that contained the pink pearl was missing. Filled with anxiety at this discovery, Inga searched through the entire room, looking underneath the beds and divans and chairs, and behind the draperies and in the corners, and every other possible place a shoe might be. He tried the door, and found it still bolted. So, with growing uneasiness, the boy was forced to admit 
that the precious shoe was not in the room. With a throbbing heart he aroused his companion. King Rinkitink, said he, do you know what has become of my left shoe? Your shoe? exclaimed the king, giving a wide yawn and rubbing his eyes to get the sleep out of them. Have you lost a shoe? Yes, said Inga. I have searched everywhere in the room and cannot find it. But why bother me about such a small thing? inquired Rinkitink. A shoe is only a shoe, and you can easily get another one. But stay, uh, perhaps it was your shoe which I threw with a cat last night. The cat? cried Inga. What do you mean? Why, in the night, explained Rinkitink, sitting up and beginning to dress himself, I was wakened by the mewing of a cat that sat upon a wall of the palace just outside my window. As the noise disturbed me, I reached out in the dark and caught up something and threw it at the cat to frighten the creature away. I did not know what it was I threw, and I was too sleepy to care, but probably it was your shoe, since it is now missing. Then, said the boy in a despairing tone of voice, your carelessness has ruined me as well as yourself, King Rinkitink, for in that shoe was concealed the magic power which protected us from danger. The king's face became very serious when he heard this, and he uttered a low whistle of surprise and regret. Ooh! Why on earth did you not warn me of this? he demanded. And why did you keep such a precious power in an old shoe? And why didn't you put the shoe under your pillow? You were very wrong, my lad, in not confiding in me, your faithful friend, the secret, for in that case the shoe would not now be lost. To all this Inga had no answer. He sat on the side of his bed with hanging head, utterly disconsolate, and seeing this, Rinkitink had pity for his sorrow. Come, cried the king, let us go out at once and look for the shoe which I threw at the cat. It must even now be lying in the yard of the palace. This suggestion roused the boy to action. He at once threw open the door and in his stocking feet rushed down the staircase, closely followed by Rinkitink. But although they looked on both sides of the palace wall, and in every possible crack and corner where a shoe might lodge, they failed to find it. After a half-hour's careful search, the boy said, sorrowfully, oh, "'Someone must have passed by as we slept and taken the precious shoe, not knowing its value. To us, King Rinkitink, this will be a dreadful misfortune, for we are surrounded by dangers from which we have now no protection.' Luckily I have the other shoe left, within which is the magic power that gives me strength, so all is not lost. Then he told Rinkitink, in a few words, the secret of the wonderful pearls, and how he had recovered them from the ruins and hidden them in his shoes, and how they had enabled him to drive King Goss and his men from Regos and to capture the city. The king was much astonished, and when the story was concluded he said to Inga, "'What did you do with the other shoe?' "'Why, I left it in our bedroom,' 
replied the boy. Then I advise you to get it at once, continued Rinkitink, for we can ill afford to lose the second shoe as well as the one I threw at the cat. You are right, cried Inga, and they hastened back to their bedchamber. On entering the room, they found an old woman sweeping and raising a great deal of dust. Where is my shoe? asked the prince anxiously. The old woman stopped sweeping and looked at him in a stupid way, for she was not very intelligent. Do you mean the one odd shoe that was lying on the floor when I came in? she finally asked. Yes, yes, answered the boy. Where is it? Tell me where it is. Why, I threw it on the dust heap outside the back gate, said she. For it being but a single shoe with no mate, it can be of no use to any one. Show us the way to the dust heap at once, commanded the boy sternly, for he was greatly frightened by this new misfortune which threatened him. The old woman hobbled away, and they followed her, constantly urging her to hasten. But when they reached the dust heap, no shoe was to be seen. This is terrible, wailed the young prince, ready to weep at his loss. Oh, we are now absolutely ruined, and at the mercy of our enemies. Nor shall I be able to liberate my dear father and mother. Well, replied Rinkitink, leaning against an old barrel and looking quite solemn, the thing is certainly unlucky any way we look at it. I suppose someone has passed along here and, seeing the shoe upon the dust heap, has carried it away. But no one would know the magic power the shoe contains, and so will not use it against us. I believe, Inga, we must now depend upon our wits to get us out of the scrape we are in. With saddened hearts they returned to the palace, and entering a small room where no one could observe them or overhear them, the boy took the white pearl from its silken bag and held it to his ear, asking, what shall I do now? Tell no one of your loss, answered the voice of the pearl. If your enemies do not know that you are powerless, they will fear you as much as ever. Keep your secret, be patient, and fear not. Inga heeded this advice, and also warned Rinkitink to say nothing to anyone of the loss of the shoes and the powers they contained. He sent for the shoemaker of King Goss, who soon brought him a new pair of red leather shoes that fitted him quite well. When these had been put upon his feet, the prince, accompanied by the king, started to walk through the city. Wherever they went, the people bowed low to the conqueror, although a few, remembering Inga's terrible strength, ran away in fear and trembling. They had been used to severe masters, and did not yet know how they would be treated by King Goss's successor. There being no occasion for the boy to exercise the powers he had displayed the previous day, his present helplessness was not suspected by any of the citizens of Regos, who still considered him a wonderful magician. Inga did not dare to fight his way to the mines at present, nor could he try to conquer the land of Korygos, where his mother was enslaved, 
so he set about the regulation of the city of Regos, and, having established himself with great state in the royal palace, he began to govern the people by kindness, having consideration for the most humble. The king of Regos and his followers sent spies across to the island they had abandoned in their flight, and these spies soon returned with the news that the terrible boy conqueror was still occupying the city. Therefore none of them ventured to go back to Regos, but continued to live upon the neighboring island of Korigos, where they passed the days in fear and trembling, and sought to plot and plan ways how they might overcome the king of Pingaree and the fat king of Gilgad. End of chapter 8 Show notes. Check them out. That's where you're going to find sponsors and guests and T-shirts and stickers and high fives. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you later. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the show. Music is by me, D.B. Spitzer, edited and produced by me, D.B. Spitzer. The interview portions are always edited and produced by David Heath. And, hey, you can find us wherever you find podcasts, so check out pgttcm.com. And if you don't want to check out the Patreon, if you don't want to do that and you want to help out the show, just go to sponsors or buy T-shirts or anything like that. Anything helps. Thank you again.